welcome to What Have You, a podcast about all things pop culture and nerdy worth discussing. I am Anthony Keane. And I am Dasher Lasher. Hello. So, okay. This is this is technically our first episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we tried to do one and then and then life life hit us in the face. Yeah. There's, there's like a secret rough draft hidden in the archives yeah, that one a... day you know, people will kind of uncover the lost episode. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Lost episode is, yeah. is the is the definite <laughs> one. The key word. But uh, yeah. So we are essentially uh, we are two chaps who live together and we, we end up going and seeing films and talking about films and comics and TV shows and whatever. And uh we felt that it warranted a podcast to, to put our thoughts out into the world. Document our incredible conversations because about all this wonderful pop culture. Because <laughs> they're amazing conversations, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. So yeah, uh, these people are listening, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. In the thousands. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> right. Well, so last week we went and we did a double bill and we went and saw Logan and get out. Yes, yes, uh, we did. So that's what we are. We're going to talk about today. Um, is there any like before we get into that? Is there anything like news-wise, pop culture going on that you want to bring up? Well, something that I think is very important that's happened to us recently. Mm-hmm. Anthony Keane, you got a Pixel. Oh yeah, I'm holding it in my hands right now. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we have what it, Wired.com is declaring is the world's <laughs> best smartphone. You know, and uh, Anthony Keen is now uh, a member of that club. It's really pretty, and I love it. It's the best thing ever. Is it already better than your iPhone? It totally is better than my wow. iPhone, man. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I am a PC kid anyway, but I've had an iPhone for years and years and years and years. And this is, this is my first, not only my first uh, non-iPhone, but it's my first Android phone as well. But I actually, I've taken to it quite well. Yeah. Um, it all seems to, it's made in a way that makes sense. Right. To me, anyway. And there's loads of cool things. Like, it has Google Assistant, and uh, it's all got these fancy apps. And, uh, I, I mean, I've only really had it... I only got it last last night? Yeah, yeah pretty last, much, yeah. <clears throat> pretty much last night. Um, so, I've uh, most of today has been messing around with my 4,000 or so songs and getting them to actually be how I want them to be. But... Um, I'm I am still yet to to fully explore, but uh, I am I am very much liking it so far. I was very intrigued by your description earlier, actually, mm-hmm. um, of comparing it to the experience of being a PC user generally in comparison to being a Mac user. Right, it's yes. always that kind of classic. Uh, description of the Mac kind of does everything for you essentially mm. it's all kind of there just ready to work it just works right I mean that was yeah. Mac slogan for years and years mm-hmm. um, and whereas and that's true of the iPhone as well whereas on the Pixel that you were saying that you found that you were able to kind of really get into the guts of it change it up fix things you yes. know make it your way essentially which mm-hmm. has always been part of the PC <coughs> you got to be going into that wilderness of the hard drive yeah you know, very much yeah P- PC is is very much a thing of Oh, there is something that is wrong. Well, you you just have to kind of dive in and fix it yourself. So, like, yeah. So, for example, the uh, I loaded all my music on, which is this thing I mentioned, and uh, a lot of the kind of metadata of it, the artists and whatever, were missing because of whatever. I copied a lot of it over from my iPhone, and essentially the solution was to just go into the files myself and change them en masse, as opposed to syncing them or, or doing anything of, of that. And was that relatively easy to do, would you say? Like, do you think like an iPhone oh, yeah. user who likes the fact that it just does it kind mm. of thing, could they come over to this and feel comfortable? Well, yeah, because, um, so for example, the app I found was a kind of tag editor app because a lot of this information is normally protected. Sure. Um, and it was a kind of like, you, you go to the track and it searches, you goes, hmm, 
with this info here, it's probably this track and you can just tap it. And I did it one by one, but I think you could have like paid and gotten it to do it all at the same time or auto or something. So that's just one of those apps. There's tons of different ones that they sure. could have been done. Yeah, no, I, I quite like it. it was, there's a lot more kind of customization options in there that I am yet to explore, but uh, I think the potential is definitely there. It's very interesting. Nice. Um, And it's nice to be excited about having a a phone again. Yeah. Normally I just get the new iPhone and go, well, it's it's basically the same as the last one. Yeah, no, I will admit I'm going to get a Pixel eventually. You know, I mean, my current iPhone is an iPhone 5. It can't hold a battery charge for much more than half an <laughs> so hour sad. at this point. It's the most tragic phone I've ever owned. Um, and uh, I mean, it's such a silly thing to say, like, oh, it's a tragedy. But honestly, you know, if you're sitting there and you've just woken up, your, your phone's on 100% yeah. charge, you know, yeah, exactly. you use it for five minutes and, and it drops down to 1%. For 1%. Oh, that's God. true heartbreak, actually. That's so sad. True heartbreak. And here I am with mine that does... Seven hours and 15 minutes. Sorry. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Yeah, well, so um, I'm trying to think if there's any other big pop culture things that happened. Uh, the Justice League trailer went yeah, up. I you... actually have not watched okay. it. I've seen nothing but negative uh, yeah, kind of have, coverage of it. I have issues. Okay. Um, so, okay. I am a DC, a huge DC Comics fan. You know this. I really like the Marvel films, but... Um, I really, really want the DC films to be good, and they haven't been so far. Obviously, they've been real bad. They've been real <laughs> they've been bad. So bad. Um, anyone who follows me on Twitter will know how I feel. Um, but we live tweeted a watching of Batman yeah. vs Superman quite oh, recently. God, I got really angry. You did. Um, but yeah, so this new trailer came up, and when, a while back, I think it was at Comic Con or something. Uh, they put up a kind of like, here's some clips. It was it was essentially a trailer, but it was kind of some clips that they had, and it was like, oh, they're kind of joking, they're having fun or whatever, and there's some good beats in there. And I was like, oh, this is this is really good. This is what it should have been. It's a little closer to what Marvel are doing, and blah blah blah. But yeah, man, this this did not get me going at all. This this new trailer, it. I, oh man, <laughs> it's so disappointing. It's so disappointing to me. So okay, for a start, Cyborg looks so bad. That's real. Uh, just he he looks like he's been kind of rendered for a PlayStation Two cutscene. Whoa. You know, it, it's it's pretty pretty. I mean, that is pretty damning. ugly. I mean, you know, let me wrong. I love my PS Two, but that yeah, is damning. It's <laughs> it's pretty ugly. No. Um, and yeah, there are just some things in there that just do not seem to fit correctly. You know. It's it's trying to kind of be super serious with like, oh, there's this attack coming on to Earth and we need to... And also they're having these these like funny jokes and stuff and it's like there's, they're just kind of clashing. It's not quite working. it I mean, it, it, it looks that kind of typical Snyder kind of glossy, sheeny kind of brown color, if you get what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, and there seems to be just the... Nothing in it got me excited, yeah. essentially. I mean, the only the only kind of vaguely interesting quote in it was Gordon, who's played by oh no, what's his name? J.K. Simmons, uh, commissioning. He's like he's talking to Batman, and he's like, "Hmm, it's nice to see you playing well with others again," uh, which is kind of like interesting because obviously Batman's a lot older in this in this world and whatever. Vaguely interesting. Um, I mean, the next clip was then like Batman 
driving his Batmobile with Aquaman on top of it, and he's like, yeah, mm, and then he jumps really high in the air, and it's like... For what it's worth, okay. Aquaman is the one thing it I've been cool. seeing getting a lot of good press from this trailer. People are yeah. saying, how have we come to this universe where suddenly Aquaman is the coolest member of the Justice League? I'm super glad, because Aquaman, I have, I have a lot of praise for Aquaman. He's an awesome dude in the comics. Um, he... He suffered badly in the in the silver in the golden age of, of comics, uh, and everyone just kind of went, "Oh, yeah, he talked to fish." But yeah, no, I, I think Jason Momoa will do well. I think the Aquaman film will be good as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. To um, be fair, uh, probably more than if. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman might be good. We'll see what. I happens. really hope we'll Wonder Woman is good. Happens, oh you know? God, if it's we'll bad. save it for the episode. Yeah, you know, we'll talk. <laughs> oh, um, actually, so the most important yeah. thing I think I saw coming out of the Justice League coverage um, was alongside the trailer, they debuted a bunch of posters for the mm. main characters, mm-hmm. right? Both a kind of oh, one yeah. of all of them standing together in front of this kind of blazing sunset mm. with this kind of explosive, you know, beam of light and solo posters. And I think it was um, BuzzFeed that pointed out that uh, Wonder Woman's poster, her pose is directly in front of this massive beam of light. Yeah. And it looks like she's pissing out a nuclear explosion. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that that's going to be in the movie. Um, I hope she doesn't piss out a nuclear explosion. I would hope not, but they're pushing it. They're pushing it hard <laughs> oh. in that trailer. Little yeah. poster. Mm. Also, I mean, also, like, Jason Momoa, I think, is going to be really great. I am not crazy on his kind of Aquaman battle armor stuff. I just don't think it looks good. I don't know. (laughs) Well, speaking of superheroes. (laughs) Yeah, so. What a segue. um, So, yeah, we we saw Logan. We saw Logan. Was the first film that we saw. Yeah, going from kind of DC to a much better Marvel. um, Fox Marvel. Fox Marvel, yeah. uh, X-Men Universe Marvel. So, okay, for those who do not know what Logan is. Um, Logan is uh, set in the relatively soon future. And Logan, who is Wolverine, um, is a much older dude. His healing powers have slowed down. Um, so he's starting to get like scars and stuff. And essentially he is uh, looking after a, an old and senile Professor X. And the, the main crux of the story is they come upon this girl who is, for all intents and purposes, kind of very, very similar to to Logan. Um, and there is a very much a kind of father-daughter thing going on there. And, sure. um, and yeah, he has to kind of protect her and Professor X mm. from these bad dudes... So, yeah. So, okay. How much of this do we want to go non-spoilers? It's a good point. Maybe what we should do, let's have some initial kind of non-spoiler mm-hmm. conversation if we can. Uh, and then yeah. we'll probably reach a point where we'll be like, okay, people, it is time to talk about this. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, so obviously, um, we'll just say, first of all, what do we think? I liked it. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Really great. Um, especially from... Uh, especially uh, for for myself, I have never been crazy on the X Men films. Um, it's always been just like a thing I'm going to go see. They always felt kind of like the slightly camp cousin mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the Marvel Universe movies. Yeah. I, mean, I know they predate them, but nonetheless, you know, uh, yeah. it, that's how I always kind of looked at them. I mean, obviously, particularly since they went with the 1960s direction uh, in the kind of reboot, they kind of up some of the camp. I would argue, yes. Though it's always been there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't hate them, but I recognize that a lot of them are kind of missteps. Yeah, especially kind of recently, Fox have started to... It seems that Fox are going in the direction of, if it's a superhero film, it has to be big explosions and, and crazy stuff going on. I mean, we saw uh, Fantastic Four bombed and had that, as well as a myriad of other issues. Um, but yeah, X-Men Apocalypse, uh, I mean, to a point, 
X-Men uh, Days of Future Past mm. was kind of like that as well. Yeah. And it's like, it's okay, but that's not why... I'm, I'm really tired of going to the cinema and seeing superhero homes and seeing huge explosions. Well, and so, for what it's worth, Logan is quite different yes. to the other X-Men movies. In mm-hmm. fact, it almost feels like they're very intentionally not putting the phrase X-Men anywhere in the title. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they... Uh, uh, obviously, they have... Um, I mean, they've even put in Wolverine into the title. No. You know, even though, ostensibly, it's kind of the third part to mm-hmm. Wolverine's solo trilogy, you could argue. Yes. Yeah. Though, I, I think they probably did that for more, more marketing purposes <laughs> than anything else. Right. Probably, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. It's a really huge departure from all the X Men films, really. Um, and we kind of, it, it's a much more personal story, and it's one about kind of family and uh, change, and and to a point, the kind of just exhaustion of all of these kind of like this this amount of time that has passed and. Hugh Jackman, uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Daphne Keene as well. She because she doesn't actually have that many lines. She does so much with so little. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, we talk about actors who you know can do uh, you know to get through a whole scene just with their eyes kind of thing. She's doing it from the age of I don't know how old she is. She's like eleven maybe yeah, in this film. I mean, age. she's she's young, mm-hmm. um, and she nails it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it's a it's a fantastic. She I think it it could have been quite easy to make that character annoying. Yeah, um, completely. And and no, it was very yeah. Very she is compelling. simultaneously, you know, there is a sweetness to the performance, you know, um, almost kind of around. It's kind of like a cat who's just scratched the hell out of you, kind of thing, right? You know, it's, it's still kind of cute, but at the same time, you know, you know that there's 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 danger underneath yeah. that. Um, but she she walks this line where we were watching her uh, sit there eating cereal, and you oh, yeah. question what's going through her head, right? You know, you know there's a ferocity there, mm. but at the same time, she seems so innocent and kind of defenseless against everything. It's very well done. Yeah. And uh, especially going on from that kind of like innocence and that kind of thing, seeing um, so uh, in this film, uh, Professor X is essentially kind of a sufferer of uh, well dementia to a point and just senility, senility, senility. Um, uh, he is at this point where he is having seizures and therefore they are kind of psychic seizures, and they are life threatening to people around him. Um, and it is this thing that he is trying to wrestle with day to day of the fact of, you know, he is a huge danger. He's, he's, I think it's said in the film, he is classed as a weapon of mass destruction by the American government. Um, and yeah, and I think it's, it's near the, the start of the film, but there was the first scene where you see him and he is, um, riding around in a wheelchair, um, inside this kind of big bunker seemingly kind of babbling um i think he's it's like kind of like a radio commentary-esque kind of thing or an advert i think it's an advert actually um and oh my heart broke a little bit i have to say it was a very sad sight to see Hmm. but i think there's still like he kind of pulls it back because there's there's this great relationship between him and wolverine yeah no the Um, uh, the back and forth between patrick stewart hmm. and uh, hugh jackman in this movie are are fabulous kind of probably the best of the uh whole x-men franchise you know Mm -hmm. there are a couple of moments when they are shooting barbs at each other that (laughs) i I, I think the entire theater uh was laughing uh during it it was good Mm -hmm. 
And of course, so the final film for both of them. I mean, it's been yes, championed yeah. as Hugh Jackman's kind of uh, retiring moment mm. from Wolverine. Um, and obviously, it's understandable. He's very much the face of the franchise mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, though. I was sad to discover not that long before we started recording that it was also Patrick Stewart's one. And I yeah. felt like he should have gotten a couple of nods because he's been Professor X. But, I mean, he already died once for Christ's sake. Spoilers for one of the early <laughs> X-Men movies. But I mean, you well, know. Like 2006. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, but, um, you know, a guy's already made it back once and we're not even going to give him a goodbye. Oh, I know, I, just, I know. Uh, Oh. I mean, I think it was it was a little bit. He did. He, I think, he announced it on his Instagram or his Facebook or something. Just okay. uh, he said he he saw a final cut of the film and he basically realized that this has to be my final film as Professor X. And I I agree. I think I think it's a it's a fantastic one to go on to leave on. And for Hugh Jackman as well, I think it would be a bit of a shame if he kept being Wolverine after this one because. It's just, it's such a fantastic ending, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, no, it, it provides some good closure for his mm-hmm. arc. Um, mm-hmm. That it feels like it would be, yeah, it would be a shame to see them bring the character back after yeah. that moment. Um, and maybe we can avoid talking about too late game spoilers for yeah. uh, for the film. But going off the idea that this is Hugh Jackman's mm-hmm. final uh, performance, you know, the film does introduce a, a roster, and I think this is, isn't too much of a spoiler to say mm-hmm. that there are more mutant children than just Laura in this movie. Sure. Um, you know, there's a couple of them. There's mm-hmm. not tons, but there's a few. Um, would we be interested in seeing them be brought back in future installments? So, know? yeah. Uh, I... When we were watching, I was wondering if this was going to happen, if they were going to kind of escape and, and Logan would be the new kind of head of the school kind of thing. Because in the comics, that's what right now Wolverine is he- uh, the head teacher at, uh, at Xavier's school. Uh, but uh, I mean, I'm. I feel like we're getting into spoiler territory now. Oh, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we just have to do it. You know, <laughs> all right. Yeah, apologies. We tried to avoid yeah. uh, the ending, but. Um... Uh, we might as well. Just so so yeah so, uh, spoilers 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 spoilers, yeah no I by the end obviously that wasn't the case but I'm kind of glad that that that, that was um f- from the sounds of it as well Fox seemed to be going in a different direction with the with the X Men yeah uh, and I feel like it would be a kind of a strange seeing as the fact that uh, so. Logan is based on Old Man Logan, the comics, which uh, loosely based, but obviously it is far in the future and there's nothing that comes after it. So they would be treading totally new ground. And I think at this point, they've pretty much tried to pick pre-existing stories to base their films on. Uh, So they'd be they'd be shooting blind if if they went that direction. I mean, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, so I I really do like the idea of um, X-23 in particular mm. coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, Daphne Keene, as we said, gives a great performance mm-hmm. uh, in the film. Uh, I'm totally up for seeing further adventures of her. I mean, given the time frame of how Hollywood works, she is quite young. She's quite So young. unless they really want to carry on something pretty direct with the character, mm-hmm. it might be that they have to bring the character back with the recasting of someone else as her slightly older. Um, it depends on how quickly they want to do that, if they're even going to do that i don't know Mm. um you know to be honest with you logan itself seems to have a slightly odd canonical relationship to the rest of the x-men films uh, in the way that they speak about it you know i'm Mm -hmm. not sure if it's supposed to be all universe or if it's just kind of like uh something that happens in the future of the Mm. movies but they're never really going to reach that point if you see what i mean uh, for lack of better way of putting it um it's hard to say i i get the feeling that wolverine as a character will be back eventually Mm mm-hmm 
Um, oh, eventually. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and honestly, we are going to start to see more of this happen, right? Because the next big one's going to be Robert Downey Jr., right? You know, another yeah, guy who has been massively associated with a superhero character um, for years and years and years now. 2002, um, I think, first. For Iron Hugh Man Jackman? No, oh, no, for, for Iron Man. Robert I, I thought Jr., first Iron Man was, um, was that 2008, I thought? Something oh, like maybe that. I'm grossly <laughs> misjudging. Well, I, I think, actually, truth might be somewhere in between what both of us are saying. There. Actually, I, yeah, I think X-Men was 2002. Yeah, I think X-Men was 2002, and somewhere around Iron there. Man That's what, yeah, a bit yeah. later. But either way, probably the, the next most long-running kind of face of a superhero franchise, and particularly for yeah. Marvel side of the uh, superhero movies, yeah. he's been the big face. He's saying he's going to retire mm-hmm. after uh, the next, the big two-part Avengers film that's yeah. coming up, right? What are Marvel, Fox, you know, going to do mm. with these incredibly iconic characters? Because in the past, with these sort of situations, you look at someone like James Bond, probably the most obvious mm-hmm. kind of person to go to, they cast someone new. You know, it happens. There's mm-hmm. never really been, like, a long-term kind of break-off point, as far as I know, with, like, James no, Bond. You know, no. they just kept it going, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Bonds have kind of lasted a little bit longer than others. Sure, but... yeah. But, you know, but nonetheless, this is an idea that is not that uncommon. You know, unless you really feel like you're never going to tell this story again. But mm. with a franchise character like this, I don't see that happening. So they are going to do it eventually. I don't know what approach they're going to take, whether they feel they need to reboot before they're allowed to do that. Um, that seems hmm. odd to me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how they start to do it because they have built this very consistent arc through those movies. Mm. And it kind of goes against the idea that they're going to suddenly go comic style and be like, well, people can just come back, but they'll look kind of different. You know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Maybe that's actually the most honest way they could do it. You know, honestly, well, it's probably the closest to the source material. Mm, well, I mean, the thing is, actually, you can kind of see it in, especially with Marvel right now, they are starting to set up things because, for example, at the end of Age of Ultron, they kind of have essentially a kind of Avengers B team going on. They've got like Scarlet Witch, Vision, uh, Falcon, uh, Ant-Man. And they push that a little bit further with Civil War because they end up having Captain America is no longer Captain America right now. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, they've said that when we next see him, he's going to be Nomad. Which is he's he's not got his shield anymore, right? Um, and he's going to be running this kind of covert second Avengers team, mm-hmm. whereas Robert Downey Jr. Well, Iron Man is going to be doing uh, kind of the the proper Avengers. Sure. But I think I get the feeling, yeah, we're going to start seeing some changes. But I, I I get the feeling we're not going to have a reboot because they've they've been building this this like you say they've been building this time for for nigh on 15 years now almost you know um and i think they're going to have i i'm not i i don't know i i do not think they're going to recast iron man i think they might have someone take up the iron man mantle but i i don't think they'll recast i don't him. think they'll ever bring back tony stark as a character so to speak <sighs> I, I don't think so i like i feel like people would would bulk too much at it it'll be interesting to see because i mean like i would never underestimate hollywood's tendency to want to reboot things mm. i mean you know mm. like I, i'm not saying they would do it anytime soon um, mm. But I could see them feeling like if they reached a point where they had kind of had some big epic, they could argue it's like a crossover event in the mm. comics where the continuity gets rebooted so that new people can come in and experience sure. these characters for the first time. And, oh, look, would you look at that? Next year, Iron Man 1. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it'll happen. Or Iron Man Begins. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, the look Iron how Man. many Batman... The Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look how many Batman films have been. Um, I mean, he's been rebooted probably more than any other superhero. That's true. Um, granted, it was a different time, and it was kind of 
almost a little bit more James Bond-esque in the, yeah. just replacing him. Um, and it doesn't really have an arc in the way that obviously these modern mm-hmm. wave of superhero it, movies do. It, exactly. So it was a little bit different. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I personally would be like, this is weird. Like, someone else is playing Tony Stark. This doesn't look right, you know? But again, like you say... that's what people were like with Sean Connery that, that's back very, in the day. That's very true. Know? That's very true. But like you say, there are going to be kids coming into this at young ages now who that'll be their first Iron Man. So this is maybe just something you have to get over. <laughs> <laughs> We've veered off a little bit. Yeah, we have. Though, so, in a way, we've also spent quite a long time talking mm-hmm. about both Logan and superhero films. Is there yeah. anything in particular you'd like to touch on with Logan that we haven't mm-hmm. kind of got to? Well, I, I feel like, the, yeah, one or two kind of story beats that I okay. just think. Okay, sure, you're going. So, so first of all, um, it was a it was fifth, it was was an R-rated yes. superhero film. Well, it was 15 for us British people. And the only other one that we'd seen of that was Deadpool, which That's had a very, right. very different tone. And this, I think, they made really, really good use of the rating because you really saw how brutal that those claws could be for him and Laura, X-23, his kind of child clone um, who has two claws on her hands. And yeah, like just, I mean, for a start, so I think in the previous X-Men films, you kind of see him just using the stabbing people's chests. There's a lot of headshots in this film, Mm -hmm. like claws going through heads and coming up through jaws. And also just the way Laura fights as well, just kind of like grappling someone and just shanking them, essentially. And you see all this blood and it's so brutal. But I think it really works, especially when X-24, Wolverine's, uh, fully grown clone comes in and they have this kind of huge fight and they make such a great they, they make it so they make it very clear that he that Wolverine is not as good as this guy yeah. like they He's they no go longer into, in his prime no, at all no and I think actually Hugh Jackman was told not to work out to the same level that he normally sure. does because he looked really good but he yeah, definitely he, still looks ripped. he didn't look like scary sure. um, he looked like an older guy which is obviously how, how it should be and I think they did that really really well yeah um, no I agree I mean you know we look at superhero films generally it's always bloodless violence mm-hmm. pretty much you know every so often you get a close up on someone's face and they'll have oh the little trickle <laughs> of blood coming down from the temple after that building fell down on yeah. top of them mm-hmm. you know um, but here no this is it gets wet in this movie, you know, I mean, there there is splatter, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I thought it was amazing, you know, mm-hmm. I thought that mm-hmm. the way they did it, it, it looked fantastic, you know, and honestly, it was probably the most honest depiction of what it would actually yeah. be like to face down somebody with three enormous claws sticking out of mm-hmm. each hand. Uh, that being said, um, just to, to put it out there, is not like do not take your kid to, no, to, God, this, no. to this Wolverine movie. I don't care how big an X Men fan they are. Probably <laughs> give it just like that little bit, little bit of time. Honestly, I think twelve year olds could probably handle this movie, depending on the twelve year old. It depends on the twelve year old. Yeah. Like it was pretty gruesome. Gotta uh, it, say. it was gruesome. Mm-hmm. It was gruesome. But you know, kids of the internet are desensitized. Yeah, you know, I, I think they could probably handle it. <laughs> but yes, no, that did mark it out as being very different, mm-hmm. and actually speaks to the fact, as you say, Deadpool also by Fox, yeah. right? clearly they are deciding that they need to kind of mark themselves out as kind of doing these adult superhero films Mm. that feel different because honestly this felt different not just from Marvel not just from DC but from their own superhero movies you know Mm -hmm. I mean this is what we were saying earlier despite it being an X-Men film doesn't really 
feel like an X-Men film. No, no. Which I think works to its benefit. Yeah, no, totally. I agree to that completely. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially one of the other things I wanted to to bring up, and it kind of leads in, is uh, just going by superhero tropes. The part where, um, so obviously we've said spoilers already, Professor X is killed and Logan dies at the end, but... At this part that Professor X dies, he's kind of Logan is kind of standing over him, and he's going on all, all about how he's kind of trying to seek forgiveness for what he's done because it's kind of implied that there was some kind of mass attack at uh, his school where he was kind of the culprit, maybe possibly maybe people. the first time he had a seizure. Yes, kinda. that's probably what it implies. Yeah. And then um, uh, Wolverine like puts his claws through his chest, and when we saw that, I. In actual fact, instead of gasping, I went, oh, it's a dream sequence. But then the Wolverine, which was then revealed as X-24, got up and started killing the family members in the house. And I was like, oh, no, this is this is not a dream. And it's the fact that because that is being such a huge thing in all these superhero films, that was just my first assumption. If anything like that ever happens, especially like midway through a film, I'm I just gonna go. Oh, it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah, of course, you know, like Hugh Jackman's gonna suddenly sit up in bed, covered mm-hmm. in sweat, and be like, oh, oh, yeah, and look it, down at his hands, it, like exactly. Really do that. <laughs> you know, um, but no, here, well, mm-hmm. not him, but he sort of really did yeah, that. You know, yeah. and, no, uh, X twenty four. Yeah, X twenty four. Uh, and uh, I think, yeah, that, again, kind of, it's it's very much set apart from that because that's not what it was trying to do, obviously. Yeah. And, yeah, I, th- I think, uh, but I think it was it was very much, it was it was good that Professor X died. I think it was good that Logan died. He kind of kind of had his, his day, and he kind of gave Laura the line, like, don't, don't be what they made you. Yeah. Um, kind of passing on the torch almost a little bit. At the end, Laura kind of takes the cross... Uh, yeah, I don't think we've actually said it at all, but yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like in another X-Men film, that might have been a really, really cheesy bit, but it worked, I it think. Did. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it, this film, it's 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 really good. You mm-hmm. know, it, it mm-hmm. is a true adult superhero film without resorting to what we usually mean when we say adult. You know, it doesn't really go for the kind of... Uh, Kind of, because I love I love Deadpool, right? Mm-hmm. I love Deadpool, but obviously Deadpool itself kind of trucks in some kind of fratty humor, kind of yeah. thing, you know, kind of it's kind of goofy, kind of over the top, you know. This has violence, but it's restrained as much as it needs to be, kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's brutal, but it always has purpose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not about being gratuitous. This film, it is, it, it deals with some some heavy themes, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I would really be interested to see more mm. uh, superhero films done in this style. A lot more dialogue. A lot yeah, more character stuff, driven. which is, I think, is always fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, in some ways, it almost feels like a film that fell out of, like, the 70s mm. to a degree. You know, mm. I mean, maybe that's just me. I think it's a slightly stylistic thing. Oh. I mean, obviously, a lot of the effects, you know, obviously couldn't have happened <laughs> back then. But yeah. nonetheless, you know, it, this has this kind of, yeah, this old-fashioned kind of road movie feel. Mm. Um, there's an art houseness to it. I mean, in fact, I think the director is planning on releasing a black-and-white director's cut of the I movie. That which really well. I, I, That'd be really cool, yeah. No, I would actually probably go see it again uh, if they brought that out in theaters, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of say we did <laughs> sure sure yeah i remember mad max had a had a black and white a black and chrome was black it? and chrome yeah i don't think they were they released in cinemas though no, it might have been like I a dvd remember. feature or something like yeah. that no i agree i yeah. think it's yeah it's a fantastic superhero film and a great last one there's 17 years he's been playing wolverine 17 years, years. crazy yeah. is that so yeah so yeah excellent definite recommend from excellent. us excellent oh god Goodbye yeah. to the last. Go see Logan, people. Go see Logan. It's good. Okay. We'll be back after this to talk about Get Out. <laughs> okay.
Okay, right. So, uh, we are back after... Oh, we had a little bit of a break, didn't we, A little bit of a break. I mean, you know, I, it was only 20 minutes. Only 20 minutes uh, <laughs> that we uh, that we sat back to really kind of think about Get Out. 20 minutes and a week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, the important thing is that we're here now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So... Yeah, so we're here here to mm-hmm. discuss uh, Get Out, uh, the directorial debut from Jordan Peele, mm. uh, and uh, starring Daniel Kaluuya and Alison Williams, uh, amongst many others. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been very excited for this. Uh, it's kind of satire. It's horror. Um, it's got a lot going on. Oh, there's so much going on. Yeah. Uh, so, well, to start with, oh my God, fantastic film. Yeah, absolutely no, amazing yeah, film. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, I think probably the probably one of the best i've seen this year and there have there've been some there's been some good stuff this year and in kind of recent months i think it's been a while since i have a film is finished and i have just been lost for words yeah i mean it's it's really impressive because it simultaneously has a lot of elements that can feel quite familiar and kind of uh, like, you know, kind of you're uh, playing with uh, aspects of horror genres in particular, which perhaps you've seen before. And yet they do a number of things that turn them on their heads, uh, make those small changes that make it actually startlingly unique. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I really adored this movie. Mm, yeah, really, really great. And and like you say, there is so much going on in this, but yeah, the, the script, just the way everything is filmed is just kind of, I had this uh, throughout the entire film, it's had this overarching feeling of just being unsettled. Even in the regular kind of parts of the, like quote unquote regular, just people chatting and that kind of thing. I just felt so uncomfortable. Yeah, Um, and I mean, obviously, the film goes to some lengths to make you feel like uh, an outsider mm. uh, in everything you see, and obviously that's very intentional, you know, I mean, um, the film, so we should probably give a little bit of a setup for the movie, uh, you know, in case uh, anyone who's listening uh, has not actually seen it yet, we'll try initially (laughs) not to talk to spoilers, we'll probably go spoilers eventually, we'll try and, uh, we'll we'll try to warn when uh, when we're going to start doing so, Uh, but fundamentally, uh, the film is about uh, a young black man named Chris, uh, played by Daniel Kaluuya, uh, who is dating a white woman named mm-hmm. Rose, played by Alison Williams, uh, and he is going to go meet her family for the first time. Uh, they are a wealthy uh, white family that live out in... Uh, I'm actually not sure precisely where they're supposed to be living. Can you I think it's just kind of middle America. It, it, it's middle America, but nonetheless, it's, it's, a, it's an upper-crusty section of oh, middle yeah, America. It's, you know, it's they, they look like they're in... Yeah, they are in fancy town, exactly. And in a very, very white fancy town yes and uh it is the the story of what happens mm-hmm. when they uh go mm-hmm. to meet the meet the parents so it's essentially kind of look who's coming to dinner um <laughs> but but it goes in some pretty pretty radically different directions yeah yeah so i mean obviously um there's a lot that it uses in its execution um and a lot of it stems from this kind of something that is very current right now which is essentially people saying i would have voted obama in for a third term yeah. you know oh he's so fantastic i love him the kind of unhelpful uh overly progressive ally i guess you could say or somebody <laughs> yes. who is tr- using their allyship as a form of kind of a uh, as a form of kind of window dressing for themselves, mm, you know, or mm. kind of a, a social lubricant that makes them kind of feel like I understand the plight of black people because yes. I would have voted for Obama three times. Mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah, and so obviously the film itself tries very hard to position its point of view uh, with Chris as an outsider, you know, and um, I mean, I mean it, it is interesting to me. I mean, you know, look, I mean, obviously we are 
two white guys, right? You know, sitting here trying to kind of grapple with the themes of this film. Uh, in a lot of ways, there's probably going to be some aspects of it that it's hard for us to properly talk about. Of course, of um, course. But that being said, from my particular point of view, I, I did find it a really interesting effect uh, being made to feel so uncomfortable mm-hmm. as an outsider watching a group of white people interact with this black guy because simultaneously I'm uncomfortable because I'm recognizing elements of yeah. myself, people I know kind of thing. Uh, but at the same time, also going, it's so obvious that this is so horrible and how can this not seem obvious? And maybe mm. we don't think about it. And, oh, Christ, is this how they're feeling all the time in these kind of scenarios? And it's just, you know, it, it was fascinating mm. um, yeah. to use this as as a horror device, um, which it so makes sense that it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's... A lot of the kind of cringes and just like the oh god, this is really horrible does stem from this dialogue that they that they've very much curated as like the worst of the worst of kind of white people trying to be nice about black people, essentially. Uh, yeah, and it, it does get quite uncomfortable. And it's the fact that in the film, um, again, because we won't go too spoilery, but Alison Williams, the the girlfriend, is very much like, Oh my god, these people are saying these things this is really horrible and uh and chris the main character is like it's totally fine don't worry about it you know um in the trailer they get stopped by a police officer because they've hit a deer and she was driving and the police officer asks for his id and he just hands it over because he it's very clear that he is this has happened to him frequently all the time uh, and she is kind of shocked and she is playing the part very much of the kind of the ally mm. kind of calling out the bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, seriously, let's just get on with it. It's fine. Which is uh, interesting um, because obviously that's going to be a position that a lot of uh, black people are in. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna have to start to go spoilers. I think it's point. getting really hard. So, yeah, to I mean, guys, you know, just it. in case, in case you have not seen the movie yet, go see it. It's really good. Yeah, and even if you don't love every element of it, mm-hmm. it's fucking fascinating. Yeah, uh, and even if you're not kind of a horror viewer or a thrill, like I don't typically watch horror films or that kind of thing in the cinema, but I feel like this is of another kind of category, and I think you, yeah, everyone should see this film. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. So the reason I wanted to go spoilery here now. So everybody, yeah, everybody else. Spoiler you're time. Out, you're at the room now, right? Not spoiler people, get out of okay, here. Yeah, not spoiler people, go away. All right, so the reason I wanted to go spoiler, because it's interesting talking about uh, using Alison Williams, right, mm. you know, and her character. Uh, who, you're very right throughout the movie, kind of uh, has moments of kind of shocked realization. Of, oh, my God, are my family are kind of uh, racist, maybe not the right word, but uh, maybe naively racist, you know, Mm. at times outright racist, probably kind of fetishizing of the black body. There's all sorts of kind of weird things that happen as he meets the uh, group of people that her family kind of run with. Now, that being said, you you have her as almost probably like an audience surrogate in a lot of ways, right? At least in terms of white people in the audience. You know, they're going to be considered, they're going, yes, much like her, I'm recognizing (laughs) things in this movie that are horrible about, like, you know, my friends and family. Oh, God, I can't believe this. And then, <laughs> and then, it of course turns out that she is also a horrible oh, person. And in fact, this whole family are so. particularly horrible. Mm. Oh, they're like the worst. Uh, they're yeah. like the ringleaders. I mean, f- essentially, essentially, and I'm, I'm going to, I want to come back to that Alison Williams uh-huh. point, but essentially, uh, what they are doing is they are brainwashing uh, black people mm-hmm. and 
removing, kind of suppressing their yeah, personalities to a very deep level. Yeah, they're suppressing the their kind of consciousness yeah. into their, their subconscious, essentially. Exactly. And are then transplanting the brains mm-hmm. of black people into the bodies of wealthy white people, mm-hmm. particularly older white people. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, they can both have a form of immortality in these incredible, you know, kind of uh, Olympian bodies yeah, that are frequently kind of described yeah. throughout the movie. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, so, very dark, uh, very intense, and Alison Williams, the daughter of mm. the of this the main kind of uh, people in this whole scheme, is absolutely in on this whole thing. Which makes me kind of sad. Well, oh yeah, was, and was, it is sad. I mean, sad. obviously, I was really hoping that but she But it's wasn't. also really interesting, because mm-hmm. it raises, it, it plays up to that same question of no matter how good, you know, a white person might, like, in fact, if the person is trying too hard, maybe, to be an ally, are mm. they, are they... Uh, hiding something behind it. I mean, you know, or yeah. or or who knows? I mean, it, it might not even. I mean, it's, a, it's a complicated question, but I feel like the fact that she is not shown to be the good person, and that mm. in fact she can say all the right things, all the right stuff, to seem mm. like the perfect kind of aware woke ally, and still be terrible <laughs> underneath it. Well, in actual fact, it, it kind of they they go down the road. The fact that she is she is she has done this like dozens of times. Mm-hmm. She has she is essentially in this kind of scheme that they have she is one of the people who goes out into the world and essentially seduces people into this situation and brings the kind of the people in to be brainwashed like as as he is um kind of trapped and in the process of of this going on she is already upstairs looking up like basketball players uh like college basketball players and guess going hmm, yeah this mm-hmm. one's a good one this one's a good one yeah um to kind of go out and and, and grab uh so she is she you could say she's one of the worst ones yeah no it is very very true <laughs> uh and actually um you know one of the other ways in which they uh uh, show that this family has been abducting uh, black people uh, around America is um, they also have a son. Um, and oh, I found yeah. this is the, the opening scene of the film, and I found this absolutely fascinating. Right? You know, obviously, this movie uh, it's in the era of Black Lives Matter. You know, uh, we hear of a lot of stories of uh, unarmed black men in particular wandering through uh, white, predominantly white neighborhoods um, who are ending up uh, getting arrested, shot, but not killed, um, by both civilians and police. Mm. And this, these opening five minutes are essentially a short horror film set around that idea. I was thinking um, that Of, you know, a black man just wandering around, ready to go meet a girl for a date, mm-hmm. it sounds like, on the phone, yeah. wandering through this neighborhood, not sure where he's kind of going, but he knows that this is not the kind of neighborhood which he feels comfortable in. Mm-hmm. And you feel so uncomfortable watching him, and you can recognize the scenario that they are riffing mm. off of here. And it's pretty devastating. I mean, I, I found that a really hard scene to watch. It was uh, impressive. Yeah, no, it is quite horrible. And you kind of... It's it's interesting, because normally the, the kind of horror movie tropes are like, no, 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 don't go into that room. Don't go into that cupboard, whatever. Whereas this is just like... A kind of a, almost the helplessness of the fact that you're watching him go through this and he is doing all the right things. There is a car that is kind of driving along and he is, he very much kind of makes, has dialogue and makes noises to the effect of this is something that has happened to him before. Yeah. And he kind of turns around, starts walking the other way and the car reverses. Uh-huh. And it's just like, he can't, there's nothing apart from just 
like run, which is not really something that he would do because he doesn't know he's in a horror film. He can't do anything. There's nothing wrong that he's doing there, yep, yep. which is the worst feeling. Plus, it's the horror of the fact that this is an everyday occasion, mm. right? I mean, okay, fine. Maybe you know, I'm not saying black people are getting jumped and stuffed into the trunks of cars every day, but no. but the idea of a black person being persecuted just for being present mm. in an area or attacked for that reason, you know, it it's everyday horror, and that in a way makes it even worse because it's not like you can justify it to yourself, like oh well, this is just fantasy. Yeah. Like, no, mm-hmm. this is this is a legit fear uh, that people have. Absolutely. <sighs> and I think I. I... It, there's there's a couple other kind of parts to both the opening as well as further on that kind of align it with kind of Clockwork Orange esque kind of stuff like when he when the guy at the start gets kidnapped there is like a very eerie kind of I don't even know what era that is kind of like a fifties style uh, it's got like Run Rabbit Run yeah it's playing a... on the on the um, radio that's mm-hmm. very very eerie it's a very like jaunty happy tune yeah um, it's kind of a vaudevillian kind of song yes yeah, yeah. Uh, as well as um i said this to you a while back uh the, the son of this family is very much by the it's kind of implied that whereas his sister seduces people he straight up just kidnaps them and yeah. is incredibly violent like he talks about he asks the main character chris if he's into mma and like he could be like a real beast if he gets out there there is a when he when they're trying to when they when chris is trying to leave he kind of is up against the front door with a a bat like spinning it that it just i immediately thought of kind of the droogs Mm, mm. when when i saw that that's not the context of the clockwork orange but it still kind of creates that image no sure Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah 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 you know the uh kind of nihilistic, uh, yeah. young, angry white male, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, 100%. How did you feel about the general kind of curve of the plot, the, the flow of it? Because obviously you've got this, I mean, people have said that to me, they'll say, oh, is it a horror? And I'm like, well, it's actually more of a thriller than a horror because you just have this kind of unsettling feeling of dread all the way through and then he gets captured and he escapes. And normally a horror film that would maybe be the halfway point. And then there's like high tense of him running and hiding and trying to get away from these people. But in this, he just basically gets up and he just systematically kills everyone in the family. And it's just very matter of fact and it's incredibly satisfying for obvious reasons. Um, but it's just done so quickly. It's yeah, in the it all last... happens in about the last 10, yeah, 15 minutes. 10, 15 of the minutes. Film. Yeah. Um, and I feel that was right. I yeah. feel that was the right way to do it. Well, it's a huge cathartic release, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, as you say, the tension builds and builds over the course of this movie. They very wisely include the character uh, of Rod Williams to inject some. Uh, a comic relief mm. throughout the film because uh, and, and what's amazing about the character of course is throughout the entire film he is predicting what is going to happen <laughs> fundamentally yeah. okay granted he pushes it in a couple of directions that maybe it doesn't totally yeah. pan out in but yeah. nonetheless he's on it yeah he pretty much pretty much the first mm-hmm. couple of minutes of the film <laughs> um and once again you know good audience surrogate with all of us going yes he's right <laughs> get out please just just go listen to him they're yeah. gonna take your brain mm-hmm. you know um so but nonetheless, the reason they have to do that is because the tension is so tight oh, God, over yeah. the course of this movie. You know, every scene just winds it up that little bit more, a little bit more. And actually, by the kind of final 20 minutes of the film, um, 
things feel incredibly hopeless. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it, it, you are really uncertain how it's going to actually mm. pan out. Uh, and so when you do then get that enormous surge of just, I mean, it does, I have seen a couple of people argue that the film descends a little bit into kind of bloodshed towards the end. I mm. don't, I don't I mean, okay, agree. It, it, maybe it does, but I don't think it matters, you know, I, is maybe a point to put it. There is mm. bloodshed, but it's done, it's not, it's not gratuitous, it's not you know, it's fest. not, yeah, yeah, it's not sitting there kind of reveling in, uh, you know, the, uh, the suffering and kind of, you know, liquid pouring out of someone. Oh, it no, is, no. it's literally very quick cuts. It's all very brutal, very very fast mm. he knows that he's going to get out of here this yeah. is you know this is vengeance but it is sharp and quick vengeance mm. it is survival vengeance i mean he kills probably i think four out of the five family in like probably like six or seven minutes yeah, he just much. goes through the house and it's done 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 yeah. done it's just so quick you get the satisfaction of like these horrible he's not just escaping and they're going to keep doing it these horrible people are gone and they're done yeah that's it we don't need to focus on it at all but I, and yet I, what yeah. they represent Will it ever truly go away? <laughs> this, is, this is very true. That's the thing. There's this whole... Uh, well, th- there is this kind of whole other community of people, but they're very clearly relying on these uh, brain surgeons yeah, <laughs> to, to do it for you. Something I did want to touch on that I found quite interesting. So uh, shortly after the film came out, I saw an article. Um, mm. I, I can't remember where it was run on. Uh, you know, if I can find it, I'll... Uh, We'll attach a link to this in some way because <laughs> it was worth reading. Um, where uh, they interviewed um, interracial couples uh, mm-hmm. after they had seen Get Out. Um, and it was fascinating uh, how uh, broadly across almost every single group they interviewed, uh, the white person in the couple basically kind of said a lot of things that we're saying right now. Of, oh, yeah. Christ, I, I uncomfortably recognized so many things about myself in there. But also they were terrified that that is the way that their partner feels all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually the person of color in the interviews, they would kind of, uh, they'd take it kind of a, a sense of humor maybe isn't the right word. Maybe they seemed amused that like this hadn't been obvious in sure. the first place, sure. uh, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But they also tried to kind of reassure, like, don't worry, I don't think that you're actually going to, you know, harvest my brain and yeah, put that your is... parent spirit into it. <laughs> it's kind of a horrifying idea, yeah. um, especially if you are an interracial couple. But uh, I mean... Something else, yeah, because kind of across the board, incredibly highly praised. Um, Yeah, we we have a friend who lives in Peckham, which is a much higher kind of black population. And she was saying how people were like cheering in the cinema. It's clear that this is kind of resonating with a lot of people because it is obviously couched in this crazy horror fantasy. But there is so much, clearly so much truth in this. Mm Which, again, I wanted to bring up the ending. Yes. So, okay, so the ending, uh, they're kind of fighting on the road. Um, The daughter gets shot, and he is on top of her, choking her. And then you see uh, uh, police lights, like, flashing. And I had this feeling, but just absolute dread of, like, oh, my God. This is what's going to happen because of, obviously, America... Uh, kind of and the issues with kind of police shooting black people and it's like he's gonna get shot there's gonna be all these white people the living dead ending right you know he's made it through and then boom the white police Mm -hmm. officer shoots the black guy and then his uh his friend gets out of the police car and he's a tsa agent and yeah everyone it's just kind of everyone erupted in this kind of relieved laugh of just like, thank God it was that and not the horrible ending. Um, but you were saying actually that 
the kind of ending that everyone expected was the original. Ending. Yeah, so uh, I was reading an interview with Jordan Peele where he uh, said that when he first wrote the script, which was a number of years ago now, mm. um, apparently he's been uh, trying to kind of get it made for some time, uh, he did have it so that it was a police officer who showed up mm-hmm. and that Chris uh, was shot, and that mm-hmm. would be the end of the movie. Um he decided, uh, according to him, that he felt that Chris deserved a happier ending, A, mm. um, than uh, what he would have been given from that. But also that he felt that since he first started, uh, well, first, since he first conceived the idea for Get Out, uh, the conversation around uh, police brutality um, and the Black Lives Matter movement had grown so much. I think in his own words, he said the world had got more woke, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, that he decided that, you know what, I, I, I can do the happier ending now and it can be feel kind of inspirational, Yeah, you know? Um, I think it was definitely the right ending. I think yeah. that's the right choice. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so okay. yeah. before we finish uh, talking about uh, Get Out, I did want to give a shout-out to the composer uh, of the core soundtrack. Um, there's a particular track uh, that is a guy named uh, Michael Abels, mm-hmm. uh, which he composed, which is used over the uh, opening titles. Um, it has touches of kind of Southern Gothic, a bit of blues, kind of uh, African folk. Uh, it's beautiful, uh, but winds up going to these kind of almost kind of atonal vocal places. Quite uh, haunting. You know, incredibly haunting. Uh, really really great Um, so yeah let's hear a little bit of that Uh, (laughs) and everyone please go see Get Out Yeah, so we uh, we decided that uh, part of part of a way to kind of share more stuff between us that we haven't experienced, um, we are going to every time we do this podcast, however uh, <laughs> however often it is, um, one of us will recommend something, whether it's a book or a film or music, to the other person, and they'll go away and uh, and watch it or read it or whatever, and then we'll come back and discuss it. And then the other person will recommend something to to the other. Um, so we're going to... Dash, you're going to recommend me something. Yes, okay, okay. I'm going to recommend to you a little-known uh, <laughs> art house film series. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, called The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I, I'm not saying that you have to watch... All, is it seven that are available to you right now? Well, yeah, now? because yeah. there's All eight seven, coming out. All seven, eight coming out soon. If you haven't seen the trailer, by the way, see it, because it looks amazing. The trailer's pretty Guys, cool. Guys, the family, for those who know, the family's falling apart. So, I can't believe this. So, yeah, okay, so all I know of Fast and Furious, and the, the Fast and the Furious, mm-hmm. um, is, let's see... I know, I know Tokyo Drift is like the second film. Well, it is. It, that one takes place in some sort of kind of like slightly separate timeline. It's right. weird. You have to kind of jump it's around kind of if you're trying to watch it chronologically. Okay. Correct? Because like some people are like arrested or maybe not alive anymore kind of thing. Okay, but you can they guide are me. in other movies. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of when it came into my consciousness of a thing that exists. Yeah. But uh, all I know is that it's all about family. It's and family is important. It's all about family. The thing is, though, everybody jokes, but it really is about family. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I won't discuss it too much now because we should wait till you've seen it. But part of what I think is interesting about Fast and the Furious is, yes, it's ridiculous, testosterone-driven, over-the-top, muscle cars flying everywhere <laughs> off of skyscrapers kind of movies. But it's also a soap opera. 
You know, it's a soap there, opera. there is some genuine soap opera cheese running through all of these movies. There are relationships oh. that get tested. Really? There are romances. There oh are illicit affairs. Oh my god, this is going to get amazing. real. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You know, you can. There is a story Did not that goes across this. all this exactly. So there's a saga. It's, they're not. They're not. They're not Hell standalone yeah, films. It, oh yeah, no a continuous arc. Oh my, my friend. god. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it goes some places. So yes, that uh, you can all look forward to next time. I encourage everyone to uh, watch Fast and the Furious. Like me, you might have thought they were going to be ridiculous. They are ridiculous, but they're so much fun. Good ridiculous. They're, so, they're good ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the latest trailer is. Charlie's there on like remote controlling or uh, like an army of cars. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, okay. that's just kind of part. And Vin of the Diesel course. being evil, some for some reason, but that, that means no. That means nothing to I me. I don't right believe. Now. I don't believe that. I can't believe. I refuse to oh, believe. Do you that think he's, he's been mind controlled? Oh, do you think Vin Diesel is a car and he's one of the army of cars? <laughs> that's gonna be the end. Is like Vin Diesel's uh, was like a transformer. Transformer. Kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my god. And then and then we get the moment when the Michael Bay Transformers movies <gasps> meets the Fast and the Furious franchise. Why hasn't that happened? The Fast actually. and the Fallen. Fast and the Formers. <laughs> the Fast and the Fallen. Okay. On that note. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, I hope. Yeah. I hope you have enjoyed our, our little podcast. It's nice um, to nice to chat with you all. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we will do another one of these at some point. Very maybe, soon, I'm sure. If it goes well. And yeah, we will leave you with some outro music of some kind. Uh, probably the get out music. Yeah, probably the get out that music. That's a good piece um, of music. We'll if you can hear it starting now, you'll know that we made the right choice. <laughs> okay. Thank you, guys. And, uh, and uh, yeah, share, like, subscribe, all that. We'll mm-hmm. put this places, you know. Uh, what have you? What have you? Hashtag YCast on social media. Oh, yeah. yeah we're already building the. Not in fun. Entrepreneurial, guys. Slow girls.